Hi, this is Pam Johnson, and we're going to finish up with the third talk on aortic CT. The, this portion of the talk will focus on surgical imaging, pre-op and post-op imaging, following uh, endoluminal stent repair and surgical repair. So for uh, historical perspective, again, the first successful aortic surgery was performed in 1951 using a cadaver graft. Prior to this, techniques included cellophane wrapping and ligation. And here's a fact that I learned recently. Albert Einstein was operated on at the Brooklyn Jewish Hospital in New York for an abdominal aortic aneurysm because the aneurysm was large and mobilization of the anterior aorta was considered too dangerous. The physician, Rudolf Nissen, was able to wrap the anterior two-thirds of the aneurysm with a piece of yellow cellophane, which actually uh, served to constrain the aneurysm for years after that. So fortunately, we have advanced from the days of cellophane wrap and um, now have graphs and stents that are available. Pre-intervention uh, pre, uh, planning using CT, we have a, a number of different roles. The first being, of course, to describe the aneurysm, the size, both in diameter and length, the location with respect to the branching arteries of the abdominal aorta, the distance of the aneurysm from the branch vessels, particularly the renal arteries, and we need to identify any impediments to stent placement, which would include either femoral or iliac arteries being in small caliber or having a significant stenosis because these are placed interventionally, or the presence of severe aortoiliac tortuosity. Evaluation of the thoracic aorta prior to stent placement. These are the criteria that we use. We need at least one centimeter of normal aortic wall between the landing zone where the stent is placed and the major branches, the great vessels of the thoracic aorta. We have to define the diameter of the proximal and distal aortic necks, and we have to report the diameter of the femoral and iliac arteries because that is the access site for interventional stent placement. So just some examples of important measurements in the setting of different pathology, be it aneurysm or dissection. These are the measurements that we need to provide and the distance of the pathology from the great vessels, very important. For the abdominal aorta, we need one to one and a half centimeters of distance between the proximal landing zone of the stent and the renal arteries. We have to record the infrarenal neck size and whether there is any significant neck angulation. So here are the measurements that we should be providing prior to stent placement for an abdominal aortic aneurysm. We need to give the size of the lumen, the size of the aneurysm, the distance from the renal artery, and the caliber of the iliac and femoral arteries as well, in addition to the length of the aneurysm. Here's a patient who's undergoing abdominal CT for pre-stent assessment. Just to show the limitations of axial sections, we can clearly see that the abdominal aorta is tortuous, but to really appreciate the degree of angulation of the proximal abdominal aorta, we need the coronal volume rendering or coronal multiplanar reconstructions. It gives us a 
very good sense of the length of the aneurysm, the degree of angulation, the relationship to the branch vessels. So multiplanar imaging is essential for abdominal aortic imaging, whether it's with multiplanar reconstructions or 3D rendering. For those of you who have never seen a stent placed, here are some images from interventional stent placement. On the top image, we can see the saccular aneurysm of the abdominal aorta, then uh, progressive placement of multiple stents on the bottom row of images through the right femoral artery approach. And then here's the post-stent placement angiogram on the left showing very nice exclusion of the aneurysm with a good caliber abdominal aorta and then using the CT we can really see the stents very well on a coronal volume rendering showing them positioned very nicely relative to the renal arteries. After stent placement we want to see the aneurysm sac decrease in size progressively and it is essential to perform your own measurements from the previous study to the current study carefully measure the maximum diameter of the aneurysm sac the lack of regression or an increase in size reflects an un underlying endoleak whether you see the endoleak or not. We evaluate the branch vessels for compromise and we look for any change in stent positioning. Here's a nice example of a normal post-stent placement. We see the baseline study one year later. The aneurysm sac has decreased in size as it should. It will progressively decrease over time after a successful stent placement. The complications of stent placement include incomplete apposition of the stent against the wall of the abdominal aorta, endoleak, vascular occlusion, stent migration, and dissection. Here's a recent article published in Radiology showing a very subtle finding that we should be looking for when evaluating thoracic aortic stent placements. This is the bird beak configuration that indicates that the stent is not in complete contact with the aortic wall. You see the small triangle between the lower portion of the proximal stent and the inferior wall of the aorta showing that the stent is not tightly opposed to the wall and now this may appear like a minor finding but it actually has important significance if you see this wedge shaped gap between the undersurface of the stent and the wall as shown by the arrowhead there. This is associated with endoleak risk. The longer the beak the higher the risk of leak and the authors of this study also showed that there is an association with adverse events including death, need for endoleak repair, graft collapse, and infolding. And here's a nice 3D rendering again showing that triangle uh, of the wedge-shaped triangle where the stent is not opposed to the wall of the aorta. Just a quick review of endoleaks. There are five different types depending on the uh, underlying cause and here are some nice examples. Here's an endoleak at the distal end of the stent that necessitated additional stent placement. So here's, once again, look at the pre-preliminary uh, axial image. And then on the following axial image, following additional stent placement, we can see that the leak has resolved. Here's a subtle leak just to show you the range of appearances of endoleaks. Here's a subtle endoleak that really is best appreciated by measuring the density that increased from 50, 45 to 130 Hounsfield units. And this is a very important case emphasizing the 
the significance of measuring the aneurysm sac, as I told you earlier. So the baseline study, we can see one year later, the aneurysm is certainly no smaller, um, and it should have regressed at least several centimeters. The patient had an endoleak, which was identified and coiled. And the patient returned one year later. Now we can see the aneurysm is still nearly 7 centimeters. Two years later, the, the images are really not to scale. The aneurysm has enlarged. It is now larger than 7 centimeters. We can't see an endoleak on CT, but there was an endoleak, slow endoleak, and the patient came came back subsequently with rupture of the aneurysm sac due to this occult endoleak that we couldn't see the endoleak but you could tell that the sac was not decreasing in size and this is a very important finding not to be overlooked. The patient had to go undergo pretty elaborate post-operative repair as you can see from the volume rendering on the right that's the final post-operative outcome after multiple stents and bypass grafts. Some example of malposition stents. This uh, thoracic stent has occluded the subclavian artery with thrombus proximally. An abdominal stent on the post-stent placement CT, we can see that the left kidney is not being perfused. And careful evaluation shows the left renal artery is occluded by the stent. The patient had a renal artery stent placement. And then on follow-up, we have perfusion of the left renal artery. So I'd like to review uh, now a relatively new surgical procedure that is performed in the setting of an extensive thoraco-abdominal aneurysm or pathology that involves the ascending and descending thoracic aorta, either aneurysm, dissection, or other pathology. These types of lesions require staged repair rather than repairing the entire aorta in one surgical setting. So. In stage one, typically the ascending aorta is repaired with a graft. And what I'm going to describe here is a, is a stage repair using an elephant trunk prosthesis, which is placed in the arch and proximal descending thoracic aorta. And the patient undergoes subsequent surgery, typically several months later, to repair the descending aorta and the abdominal aorta if necessary using this indwelling elephant trunk prosthesis. So the elephant trunk is a unique manipulation of a standard Dacron graft. The surgeon manually invaginates the graft and sutures the folded end of the graft to the aortic arch. The telescope section is then pulled into the aortic arch and sutured proximally. And then orifices are created for the branch vessels. And really to best convey this, we have some super excellent illustrations by Frank Carl showing first in the first image the graft. Um, that is being telescoped into the descending thoracic aorta. It's sutured in proximally and then pulled back proximally into the uh, aortic arch with creation of orifice for branch vessels. So the final product is a graft that includes the aortic arch and then a free-flowing flap, which is the elephant trunk, in the descending thoracic aorta. This serves as a temporary graft for the descending aorta prior to the second repair. 
Um, it remains draped in the descending thoracic aorta. It protects the diseased descending thoracic aorta until the second segment of surgery can be performed, and it is subsequently used as part of the graft at second surgery. So here's a patient who has an elephant trunk prosthesis, and it's important if you've never seen it before, you might not recognize, you might confuse this with the dissection flap. The curvilinear density in the descending aorta is the free-flowing graft of the elephant trunk prosthesis. It's really best seen on multiplanar imaging. On the coronal view, we can see, see this telescoped within the aneurysm, and on the sagittal view, you get a really nice image of the elephant trunk prosthesis in the descending aorta within the residual aneurysm that has yet to be repaired. This enables a second surgery to be repaired, and the surgery can be performed in a, in a more distal portion of the thoracic aorta so that we're not reoperating in um, altered tissue planes. That carries a very high risk of hemorrhage. So this is one of the advantages of using this type of prosthesis, that you can now perform the surgery starting more distally in the thoracic aorta. The surgeon will open the descending thoracic aorta and grasp the elephant trunk prosthesis and then use that as the graft for the descending thoracic aorta during the repair of this portion of the aneurysm. So here's a nice example of a patient. We see pre-op images on the top with an aneurysm of the ascending and descending thoracic aorta. After stage one, the ascending aorta has been repaired. As you can see, you see the graft on the coronal image. You see the elephant trunk prosthesis in the descending thoracic aorta on the sagittal image patient subsequently returns. In this case, rather than having a surgical repair, they underwent an endovascular stent placement, and the elephant trunk prosthesis has some high-density metallic markers at the end that enable localization for interventional stent placement. You can see the arrows on the second picture. This enables the interventional uh, radiologist to identify the distal portion of the stent and position the uh, knew the stent at the distal portion of the graft. The final post-operative appearance on the left, this is what a, a surgical repair, complete surgical repair would look like following stages one and two. And on the right, we see the patient who had surgical repair of, during stage one with the elephant trunk prosthesis in the distal arch and the proximal descending thoracic aorta. And we see multiple stents in the descending and uh, thoracic aorta and proximal abdominal aorta. So in conclusion, whether it's for preoperative analysis, postoperative imaging, or just characterizing aortic pathology, CT with 2D and 3D re reconstructions are an excellent modality. Protocol optimization is the first step with consideration of contrast, spatial, and temporal resolution. And keep in mind the specialized protocols for chest pain and endoluminal stent placement. Thank you very much and have a great day.